Today, a podcast series of focuses on big data and analytics and latest trends in the digital world. I am your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. What is up, Samir? How are you doing? Jeremy, how are things? What's going on? It's COVID times, man. It's, it's all about digital transformation. It's all about change. It's always, it's about trying to do things different and learn from different people that you haven't learned stuff from yet and change the way you do business because you cannot do status quo, correct? So, Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to do a very simple thing here, just trying to get out of my house. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do right now. Right. I'm stuck here, so. Very cool. So one of the things we're really excited about is we have another guest. And this guest, uh, her name is Claire Flynn Levy. She is actually the CEO and founder of Essentia Analytics. And let me give a short bio real fast, and then, Claire, we're going to put you on the spot to be able to tell us your whole life story um, in this podcast and people are just going to be shocked and amazed. So Claire Finn Levy is a former fund manager turned fintech entrepreneur. Uh, so about seven years ago, she founded Essentia Analytics, which is a technology company that seeks to solve the fundamental problem she faced as a fund manager. And so what this solves is the lack of data-driven feedback loop on the quality of investment decision making. Welcome, Claire. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fantastic. We're, we're excited. I mean, we, we've got it like another rock star coming on the, on, the, on the podcast. And for us, I think our listeners are, are just been excited. We've had some big names come on and it's especially coming from FinTech. I think you're actually our first FinTech um, guest that we've had before. So I think it's going to be big. I, I think this is going to be something our listeners want to learn about. So here's a request from me, Claire. If there is terminology or jargon or fun little acronyms that you use in the fintech world that our listeners may not understand because they're not used to it, please help us out because we okay. want to make sure that they don't listen and say, that was very interesting, but I have no idea what she said. Got it. Yep. Cool. Okay. So we're going to start first. Tell me about yourself. Well, geez, um, <laughs> you just, as you just heard, I yeah. once upon a time I was a fund manager and my job as a fund manager was to make investment decisions every day in the stock market. So okay. uh, many of those decisions resulted in trades and many of them resulted in not trades, but there was data captured about all of the decisions that resulted in trades because that's how you account for all of these things when you're a fund management organization. Interesting. Um, so, you know, it's a very data-centric business, but perversely very backward in terms of its use of that data, hmm. uh, at least in an enterprise context. So, um, you know, fund managers are trying to preserve and grow your capital and my capital and, and you know, large pension funds capital. Um, and they're making judgment calls every single day about what to buy and what to sell in order to achieve. So the I, I guess quick question on that. And, and what I want to do is it's a quick question derived from when you're talking about money, right? How much money you're actually dealing with here, because what I want our listeners and Samir and I want our listeners to have a perspective because as digital marketers, our job is to take the company's very large marketing budget and we spend all of it and we are hoping and praying based on data and analytics for a strong return on investment. And if we don't, we get that bad look and then we probably get fired 
And so you're dealing with other people's money. How, what is the average amount of money that a fund, you know, a fund manager deals with? Uh, well, it, it varies dramatically, but the people that we deal with are usually working for firms that are running, let's say over $5 billion. Wow. And the individual fund manager, some of them are running billions. Some of them are running wow. a couple hundred million. No, none of them is running less than, let's say, a hundred million. And you're the first person to dominate the data analytics space for this and just do it right. The feedback loop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there have been uh, people who have looked to identify skill in <laughs> fund manager behavior uh, using data analytics for. 20 years now. I mean, it's not the, the idea of the feedback isn't new mm -hmm. and the data, as I mentioned, it's, you know, it's always been there to the extent that you're analyzing trades as mm -hmm. your fundamental data points, that trade data has been captured for decades. Um, it, it's not very clean data, but, <laughs> uh, but it does exist. And yet it's all well and good to show people some insights from some data that say, you know, this type of decision you're really good at making and this type of decision you really suck at making. Um, that doesn't mean they're gonna change their behavior no. in the future. And so we're, what we do that's different to, to anything that's been done before is start with the analysis in the same way that a doctor, you know, starts by doing your blood work. I know. What a concept, <laughs> start with the data. Start yeah. with the analysis. I, I just facepalmed when, when, you, when you said that, because I'm sitting there thinking, Oh, I, I wish you would go on national television and say something like, hey, it doesn't matter what industry you're in or what the situation is, you're supposed to start with data. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, the, the funny thing is you can also end up confused when there is so much data. So the fund management industry has never been short of data, but the way that it has measured skill in the past has been based on performance. So, you know, did your fund make money last quarter or did it not? If it did, you're good. You're good at what you do. If it didn't, you're bad at what you do. Well, that's not true. You know, the, the, the performance of the fund is a measure of the outcome of the decisions you made. Those, those, it may be a one-for-one -one direct, you know, uh, impact. You made a good decision and you got a good outcome. But a lot of the time in the stock market, you can make really good decisions again. You have really bad outcomes. Because COVID happens, <laughs> because like yeah. you, the quality of the decision you're making is a function of the context of the time and the information that you had. And all you can do is make the best possible decision given, you know, the, the data that you had in your so, possession. And whether that works out or not on a individual decision basis, you know, may or may not be the case. All you really need to do as a fund manager is get it right more than 50% of the time. Yeah. And when you do get it right, you need to get it more right than you get it wrong when you get it wrong. So it's like, you know, your baseball batting and slugging. So I, I guess let me follow up with this real fast and then I'll pass it over to Samir because I'm, I'm hogging the mic here, Samir. You're loving it. Um, so with that, and, and I, I guess after this question, you know, Claire, I'd like to have you follow up and just give your blurb. I want you to do a shout out to Essentia and give us your, your pitch. Okay. Your spiel, like the 30 second elevator pitch of why Essentia, because I think everybody here should have an interest in it. But my quick question real fast, when you're talking about data, 
we talk about on this podcast a lot about interest uh, data and activity data versus PII. Mm-hmm. Is there any mix there? Or are there any, how, how does that work with this industry? Um, the, the bulk of the data we're dealing with is not PII, but we do deal with some. And, and uh, in particular, when we get into, uh, after we've shown you the initial diagnosis, if you like, based on your trade data. Um, we know your email, we know your name, you know, there's some basic stuff that we know about you, but the rest of the data we're dealing with is, is about stocks in the portfolio. Interesting. Um, but once we show you that, you may find that you want to start recording more data about why you're doing what you're doing. And that might be as, you know, might be what you're thinking at the time, or it might be biometric data about how you slept the night before or whether you went to the gym that day or, you know, any number of things. And we do have clients that, that, you know, they're into it. So we have to, we we are a UK headquartered company. So um, GDPR is, you know, front and center. Kind of a big deal. I'm air quoting here. It's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) It is relevant. And, and well, it cracks me up when, when people sometimes, uh, pull the GDPR card and, and throw it down. Like you're not allowed to do that for GDPR. I'm like, don't sure. even talk to me about that. <laughs> yeah. We know all about it. Here's what we do. You know, we have to get lots of permissions and keep lots of records, but we mm-hmm. also are um, dealing in general with highly regulated, you know, highly paranoid organizations that are dealing with you know, financial data. So it's a lot of money. Our infosec is like crazy, you know, in that we have, we have no choice. If we want to sell into these companies, we need to make sure that we jump through all of their infosec hoops. Hmm. Um, so, Definitely. yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so speaking of Accenture, uh, kind of what Durham is alluding to, um, and just so for my understanding, right, I work with these different types of fund manager, like one of my favorite ones is personal capital. And they use a combination of human and robots uh, as well. And h- how does Essentia differentiate itself from all these different types of robots and human-robot combination fund manager and third parties involved in the process? He's asking well, so, tough questions now. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what, what we're doing is enabling the human and or the robot to reflect on their own behavior. So, you know, somebody when they're when they're, programming the robot is making a bunch of assumptions and doing a bunch of back testing about, you know, what's worked in the past and what are the appropriate asset allocation uh, proportions for someone like you, you know, and it depends on your age and it depends on your risk tolerance and all of that kind of stuff. And what, what a lot of these companies have done is focus uh, a lot of attention on the user experience and then automate uh, a lot of the really basic um, risk management decision-making that goes on behind the scenes when you're assembling a, an investment portfolio. But some human has made those assumptions. Some human has made the decisions to do it the way that they're doing it. And I mean, you can guarantee that the robot did not anticipate COVID any better than no. any human did. And if anything, that would robot... be creepy and awesome if it did. I would, <laughs> I would go buy that product right now. I mean, it, it's sort of, it's a, it's a fundamental problem, though, with um, all of this data-driven, um, data-driven process 
when it's applied to trying to predict the stock market. Yeah. The best you can ever do is look at the past behavior of the stock market and try to anticipate, therefore, this is what's going to happen in the future. And yet the participants in the market aren't even the same as the ones who were in the data set that you're analyzing, you know, as the past. Yeah. And so the idea that the past is going to predict the future, but doesn't it say that in the fine print at the bottom of the ad that you're, <laughs> the past doesn't right. predict the future? Yes, it does say that. And that goes back to that point that the industry it's like it says that and then it does the total office it, it or it does it itself it it does try to predict the future and yeah you know, with varying degrees of success and there are some people who have been running quant models for you know decades and have been very successful at uh constantly moderating them and and uh you know adapting them to the stock market but uh but the bulk of um of non-index fund money is still being run by humans who are making decisions, you know, like it's good. people that, you know, um, they're using a lot of interesting data around, um, supply chains and, mm -hmm. you know, Walmart parking well, lots, but available data, available but this is available data. shared data. This is not mine. Is it mined data purposely mined data or is it, is it publicly available shared data? That's uh, kind of a big difference. I think a lot of it is, purposely mine data that's for sale. Very cool. Um, so there, there are companies out there doing satellite I've imagery. I've been at one of those companies before and I'm air quoting right now. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, but I mean, it's pretty amazing if you're, if you're a, a research analyst and, you know, on a trading desk or working for a fund manager, the, the ability to predict whether a company is going to meet its earnings expectations or not has changed dramatically in just even the last five years because of, you know, this sort of mind data, but also because of things like um, natural language processing being applied yes. to transcripts of conference calls and, you know, annual reports and things like that. So the data that was already there in the public domain is mm -hmm. being able to be used in a much more scalable, um, you know, reliable way. Oh, I agree. Which is very it's, cool. it's it's really it's that, but it, and and listen, I'll let you get to another question. But it's it's that intersection of it's that that machine learning, AI, and content and data all married together into this one magical new world. Mm -hmm. so it's a whole new world. I was about to sing, but I that's that really unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're just—it's like we're just scratching the surface, and it is. Uh, that's exciting. Exciting. I agree. Data, the data nerds on this podcast are sitting there thinking, this is cool. I want this to happen because I have more things to figure out. Nobody in this podcast wants it to be easy. They want it. <laughs> they want a challenge. So, so yeah. Well, that's scary. good because yeah, yeah, I can tell you it's not. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's interesting and, and fun because uh, you know, I'm really passionate about kind of the whole how financial uh, market works and I've, I've been studying uh, kind of the different portfolios over the history of the of the discussion. And one of them is the Ray Dalio uh, portfolio that I look pretty closely. And uh, my question to you, Claire, is uh, how, so is your company provides more of a B2B type of a service or is this geared towards uh, someone like me from a consumer standpoint? And I guess give us your pitch too, if you don't mind giving us sure, your, your, yeah. your pitch. Sure, um, yeah. No, it's, it's very much B2B. 
so this is for people who are, um, whose job it is to make investment decisions every day. Mm -hmm. And that's because you need a certain number of data points to be able to say anything, you know, so. I hope they do. <laughs> but yeah, right. But most individuals just don't trade that often. You know, you, some active traders do, but most, you know, wealth management clients at the big platforms really don't, don't trade that often. But a fund manager, even if they're very sort of long-term investors, do have enough trades, you know, if they've been there long enough for us to analyze. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're doing is we're saying to that fund manager, if your job is to make investment decisions, would you like to make the best investment decisions you possibly can? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, in, in the fund management world, it, the well, yeah, is more anxious than that because index funds have stolen half the market, more than half the market soon. Really? So, um, you know, the, the suddenly what was a really sort of uh, cushy gig, albeit a hard gig, um, is a lot sort of more challenging. The, the investors out there are demanding to see proof that a given fund manager is worth the fees that they're charging because they could just go and buy a Vanguard index fund and it would be super cheap. You know, so prove to me that you're better than that. And that's really hard for them to do, but that's because they're not looking <laughs> in the mirror. You know, like they're not, all they're looking at is their performance, you know, instead of saying, well, okay, let's look at every decision I've ever made. So you're talking about a human element. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I love it. Human. I love it. So th this is this is interesting, Samir, and I think we can even dig into this a little bit too, but I have some other stuff, is that you're talking about the idea that you're a data-driven service, but you're also relying on the human to yeah, be able and, to make decisions. That is, that's and huge. To, and delivering it through a human. So we take the data mm -hmm. on every trade you've ever done, and we say, all right, we're going to assemble all of those into a bunch of game tapes, you know, hmm. just like if you're Roger Federer. We've yeah. got a video of every match you've ever played. And we're going to look at those matches. It's like Moneyball. It's like Moneyball. It's like Moneyball. Yeah. But then we're going to also, we're going to zoom in and, you know, they did this in Moneyball too, but zoom in just on the forehands or just on the hmm. forehands that are done from this part of the court. You know, so it's all about what type of decision are we looking at? And every fund manager, you know, they make a set of the same type of decisions over and over. One is a picking decision. What stock am I going to buy? Am I going to buy Amazon or should I just buy the index? You know, that's just one decision though. The, then there's, when am I going to start buying it? How big am I going to go? How fast am I going to get to that size of a position? And then you, maybe you add and trim during the life of the position. And then you have a set of decisions on the way out about how fast am I going to get out and when am I going to, be finished getting out. And those are all the decisions. Everybody thinks really hard about the stock pick. But they don't necessarily think it's hard about all those other ones. And yet, you know, when you think about marginal gains and getting things like 10% better, yeah. all those other decisions add up to quite a lot. So if you can zoom in on each type and say, okay, let's just look at your exit timing. Did you know that you have a tendency to hold on to losers for too long and exit late? That's cool. You know, that most people do have that tendency and it's well documented in, in behavioral finance literature as loss aversion bias. So you, you have this like fine intersection between qualitative and quantitative computer, big data analytics and human analytics, human data. And it's this, 
it's that's awesome. And it's about making the human better. So, so the first thing so is you're not to, training the big data system to be better. You're training the no, human training to be the better. human to be better. That is awesome. Which I, I got to shout that out. That is I don't know. awesome. I haven't heard that yet <laughs> on this podcast. We need more of that. <laughs> okay, but what you, you can do is once you hold, you know, it's like if you people have a certain number of dance moves, right? Music comes on. You got your moves you do for fast music, your moves for, you do for slow music, but that's kind of it, right? Are you in a book us. yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Have you re- I'm just saying, you need to go write a book about it. We're saying this on the podcast today, <laughs> Analytics Today podcast, right? You heard Claire it here first. Is, you are going to go write a book because that is interesting. Everybody in our field would love to understand that you are creating an intersection and an output that doesn't change because everybody's trying to do machine learning. Everybody's Mm -hmm. trying to do AI Mm -hmm. and they're trying to change the outcome of what the model says and what the computer tells you. So you can be more quote unquote lazy and just have it tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. But you're taking the opposite route of saying we're changing the way the human behaves and reacts. Yeah. That is awesome with expletives. Yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. So TV on the same Oh, sorry. Go on. So, so kind of, yeah. No, no. I was going to say, uh, I'll let you continue. I was just going to. I was very interested because it's a, again, this is a very topic close to my heart. And uh, going back to the lines where Jeremy's saying that you're trying to have human get better trained on how to do their business. And with regards to the business, now there's, and you know, in the, in the finance industry, especially in the funds management industry, there's a contradictory view. One part of the audience. If you go listen to, they say you should go invest in funds and and maybe even in individual stocks. And there's a whole another uh, more I don't know what call it forward looking, but there's another group that talks about index funds. Uh, and then you're kind of in the middle overseeing all of this. Like how, as you as an experienced professional and the CEO and founder of uh, your company, how do you see this and what where are we heading? Well, I think that. Um Assets are, are flooding into index funds, and that will continue to happen. Um, but I don't think that active fund managers, like humans making actual calls on stocks, is going to go away because the index funds are very predictable, and they rebalance you know predictable dates, and it's generally market cap weighted. Like you can you know exactly what's going to happen, so it's very easy for a human particularly one armed with quant models to uh, come in and arbitrage that. So it's like as soon as it all becomes dumb, like index index funds, then there's an opportunity for smart. And how much smart, how many human fund managers is a different question. I think there will be a lot fewer of them than there have been historically. And, you know, already we can see that there's a sort of generation uh, that's aging out of the system. Um, And the next generation of, fund managers are much more uh, data centric. They're, you know, bringing much more quant tools and, and that sort of thing into their repertoire when they, when they start investing. Uh, but these things take time, you know, to work through. People are very lazy with their money. So, you know, it's taken decades for index funds to suddenly become what everybody now understands to be the sort of cheaper, good enough option. But I think there is an opportunity for humans who are very passionate about 
fundamental stock picking and analyzing companies and predicting which companies are going to win and which companies are, are going to lose, those humans can pick stocks and make more money than the index if they follow a process and it's a good process. And really what this is all about is helping the human see in the mirror, A, am I following that process that I have? And B, is it working? What is working about this and what is not working about this? And that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I think that's, that, that's another chapter from your book, <laughs> going back to <laughs> the idea. That's, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Uh, so wh why don't you share a couple of, uh, you know, case studies and examples how Essentia and your organization is helping others? And what are the types of financial transformation that you're bringing to the industry? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear about this one. Sure. Um, well, ultimately, it's about helping the same human make more money from the same number of decisions or fewer, ideally. Sounds you know? simple. Right? How, can you, how can you help somebody maximize their return on energy expended is how I look at it. You know, it's like if you're a fund manager, your job is to pick companies that invest their capital wisely and get good returns on their capital. You and I, our capital is our energy. So, you know, we've got 24 hours in the day and so do I. How are we going to spend those 24 hours? And, you know, what's the return we're going to get out of it? Yeah. So if you can help the fund manager work smarter, which is basically what I'm saying, um, and get a better outcome, then that that's helpful for the end investor, as well as for the company that the fund manager works for, as well as for the fund manager, him or herself. Um, and there, there's like really um, common things that people do that they've, the same people may well have read about. I mean, the field of behavioral finance has become very popular in the investment industry as a sort of explanation for why markets are not efficient uh, because mm -hmm. humans are not rational and you know, we do predictably irrational things. Which and is a great book, by the way. It's a great book, yeah. Great book. Um, and uh, all of his books are fantastic. Yeah, just he's, uh, he's, he's great. Yeah. This is Dan Ariely, who yeah, Dan uh, is one, like of the, a one of the pioneers of this field. Um, but, but the point is that uh, you can read as many books about it as you want. That doesn't mean you're actually going to be able to apply your learnings, right? And so all these fund managers have read all these books and they see, oh yes, humans have a tendency to hold on for losers for too long. Uh, okay, are you doing that? Do you know, you know, the, the, the other bias or another bias that they have will say, yeah, but that's not happening to me. That's all those other humans, not me. And yeah. so what we do is say, all right, hang on. No judgment, let's just do the diagnostics see where you are, like what, what do you have and not have yeah. <laughs> disease wise. Um, and then let's dig into exactly why is it saying that? Cause I appreciate that you're not going to believe anything negative. I tell you about yourself just at exactly. face value. You want to dig into it. And then we're going to help you overcome this, which is the big difference. So this is about um, actually designing in a, a notification or an intervention that happens every time this fund manager starts holding on to a loser too long, or it, it looks like based on, you know, mm -hmm. our historical analysis that that might be happening right now. We're going to ping him a little message that says, heads up, <laughs> this stock needs review. It looks like it's happening again. 
Interesting. Not, not saying you have to sell, not saying you have to do anything. All, all we're saying is heads up, click here. And so, when you click here, it, it'll ask them a couple of questions. About, so when you put your book, you can uh, put a forward in there and thanking analytics today, podcast <laughs> Jeremy and Samir about getting you on that path. So j just so you know, we're, we're on kind of the downhill here for the podcast. Um, they're running close on time. So we just got a few more things. Um, I want to take a step back and this is usually something we usually ask um, our guests. And this is very, this is actually a very important part uh, for our listeners. And it's, it's all about the idea around your journey. Mm -hmm. Most people say, wow, that is awesome. I want to hear more of what she has to say. And then I'm going to say, well, go check her out, uh, use her service, or if not, read her upcoming book, which will be done <laughs> soon. But, um, but what is your journey, right? You, know, you, you say, I think I, I read somewhere this, you were the director and portfolio manager at Deutsche. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and now you're the CEO, right? CEO and founder. So how did you get there? Because our listeners want this journey. We do this with everybody and they get inspired by this journey because they want to follow your journey. Uh, well, so oh, let's go back in time, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, <laughs> the 1980s and, and Fairfield County, Connecticut, where I grew up, which was full of stockbrokers. Nice. Um, and it was, you know, Wall Street greed is good time. And so I grew up thinking the stock market is what made the world go round. And um, I wanted to be part of that. And, and so I had this dream of being a fund manager that started at quite a young age. And if you're a driven person and you have you know, a clear idea of where you want to go, you can get there. Um, I got there, you know, as a trainee fund manager. It's not like I instantly rocked up as <laughs> managing a billion dollars, but as it happened, I did my junior year of college abroad at the London School of Economics. Very cool. And I had a great time and I really liked London. And when I was doing my senior year at uh, Barnard College in, in New York, um, you know, I was already working on Wall Street part time and I kind of, I could see what the options were and, you know, that they weren't necessarily bad. But I also thought, Mm, none of these are really fund management options. I would, I would like this other job <laughs> that's not on offer. And so I wrote a bunch of letters uh, to the alumni, first to the alumni department of my uh, high school, and then to the people who appeared on the list that the, the alumni department gave me, just asking for meetings. I'm coming to London. Can I take an hour of your time to talk about the industry? And there was a woman there who, uh, in, on that list, who was the head of a big fund management firm in London. And she said, yes, I'll see you. And so I got that opportunity to, to sit down with her. She liked my moxie um, and she gave me a job. And so I started work as a trainee fund manager in London in 1995. And I was the first generation of kids to have grown up with a computer in their room in the US, which was, you know, this is pre-internet. Was so. it a Commodore 64? <laughs> no, my dad was a staunch IBM person. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, to, to this day, not using a Mac, which is, even wow. I've switched over. But um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I, I, you know, rock up and I'm 21 and harping on about this new thing. It's called the internet. It's going to change your life. Yep. And these people would just fall asleep in my meetings, basically. I mean, nobody was paying any attention. 
until they were because the market started to take off and the internet bubble began to form. Suddenly, everybody's very excited about this and saying, oh, we've got one of those internet people. Here she is, you know, and, and sort of pushing me out to do public speaking and stuff like that. And it was great. I had a really good time. <laughs> but I also uh, got to a point where I could see that, that I needed to uh, change my, my approach. And, I, mm -hmm. and this is after the bubble had burst. Suddenly, what I had been doing for such a long time that was working really well was no longer working. So, okay, fine. What should I be doing differently to get a better result? Pivoted. Yeah, except for nobody could tell. I, what I wanted was for somebody to show me in data. Don't give me your opinion. I want actual evidence that mm -hmm. says, Claire, here's where your competitive advantage is. You are good at this, and you're really bad at that. You took the challenge then. Well, I wanted, I, you know, I... I saw a total futility in it mm -hmm. if I couldn't answer that question. Wow. And okay. so, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't answer the question. So, and I couldn't find any software that could do it. And I thought, what am I doing? This is pointless. If I actually can't see how to improve what I'm doing, then I'm wasting my time. Yeah. But I could see that maybe, Maybe what I should be doing, maybe what I do have a competitive advantage at is creating technology for fund managers. Because I know you have found a hole. You found I a have hole a, yeah, I noticed a hole and I, I speak the language of the client in a way that. But you no spent years can. learning the trade yes. where you didn't jump into it. You worked yeah. years in the trade, found the hole, plugged the hole, but took this completely different approach that I'm still shocked about that you're training the human. So, yeah, and it's not an easy, <laughs> an easy approach to take, right? Because even if intellectually humans say they want to be trained, they don't always emotionally want that, you know? So it's, um, this is not about, you know, what's the, what's the company that's going to make me the richest, the fastest, mm -hmm. like we're on a mission to actually solve yeah. this problem. And it's totally fascinating. It never gets old. Very cool. So Samir, you got a final question. Okay, quick. Yeah, I have one last thing, which is really important. I don't want to miss out on that there, Claire. Uh, I think you can, uh, our listeners can get a lot of value from it. So in, in 30 seconds or less, if you can tell us how Essentia platform deliver value during uncertain times, especially the environment we are in right now. Yeah, I mean, what we're delivering is visibility. You know, and the, the environment we're in right now, there's a total lack of visibility in terms of, the economy and stock prices, where are they going to be 12 months from now? I mean, anybody's guess, really. Um, and yet, what we offer is visibility on yourself, right? This is something you can control your own behavior. You can't control anything else about what's going on out there, but you can control your own behavior. So we can give you visibility. Yeah, if we give you visibility about that, then I was with a client the other day who, um, had a horrible first quarter of the year performance wise. He's a, he's a small cap value manager, meaning he, he invests in small companies that tend to have uh, high cash flow and low growth. Um, so that'll be, you know, fast food chains and low end hair salons and things like that, which is, uh, where you want to be. If you're a small cap value manager, that's where you would be positioned mm -hmm. in, 
if you're anticipating an economic downturn, which this guy was, and yet that's exactly what got whacked immediately in this COVID crisis because all of those, you know, that's exactly who got shut down first. Interesting. Um, so his performance was absolutely horrible. And that's very painful as a fund manager. And you know, he doesn't need me to sit there and pick at his wound. But what I'm but he able needs to a do, tool. He needs a tool to help guide him. But yes. tell me what to do, but don't tell me what to do. Just help me stay focused <laughs> and on track. Like help me follow my process because I believe that yeah. to focus on the process, not the outcome. Follow the process, the Makes outcome sense. will happen. And, and also what we can do is say, well, let's look at all the decisions you made during the, the yeah. worst days in the market, the pan most panicky days. And learn from that. Yeah. Have those been good decisions cool. so far? Have they been bad decisions? You know, what do we learn from that? And for him, I think the real value has been he can focus on moving forward when, you know, everything is on fire all around him. Yeah, it's just, he's just focused. Very and cool. that gives him okay. a lot of peace. Well, of I, I, think, I think that is like the perfect place for for our listeners to just you know to stop right there but to, to be able to stay engaged and be like okay i'm hooked now i need to learn more about this company you're gonna get a whole bunch of traffic by the way um right fantastic so let's uh you know do our thank yous now because absolutely you know claire this has been fantastic samir and i thank you again for joining the analytics say podcast um this is what we this is what we do we we love interacting and engaging with people and learning about what they've done and how they got there. And I don't know if you have any last words Samir, before we close it. No, this is fantastic, Claire. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, in talking to you and lots of, lots of great insight. Uh, I think uh, our, our listeners will be appreciative of that as well. Fantastic. That was a lot thank of you. fun. Thank you. Thank you. And so thank you guys. And remember always find us uh, on analytics, say podcast, uh, dot com and then you know reach out to us on all the social channels and hit us up if you want to join.